1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today. Hello and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello and welcome to episode number 317 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be back in your earbuds again this week. And listen, I am coming off of teaching my new workshop called Embodied Dating, which was so much fun to teach. My intention for teaching that one time workshop was to actually begin testing and growing my embodied dating framework into a larger six week experience, which, spoiler alert, that is exactly what I'm going to do. So, if you haven't been listening to the podcast over the last month and you're like, wait, what? What's embodied dating? What is she talking about? Let's back way up. So, embodied dating is the process of getting out of your head and into your body and making decisions from that place society teaches you to disconnect from your body it teaches you to disregard your feelings your intuition all that kind of stuff and instead it teaches you to have a relationship with your body in one where you are trying to conform it or make it look what society might call as beautiful based on european beauty standards right now of course there are variation of course we have our our own experiences. But generally, this is what society teaches about our bodies. I'm going to actually talk a lot more about this in next week's episode, which I highly recommend you listen to it's about how to love yourself after weight gain. Um, Even if you haven't gained weight, you just don't feel good in your body, you're going to love that episode. So make sure you tune in next week but I digress. Let's go back to embodied dating. So the premise is society teaches you to disconnect from the body and embodied dating is like, nope, nope, your body is actually the best place that you can date from. So it's a way of dating in which your body leads the way. While intellect and reason will definitely have a role in your love life, they'll take the backseat to your body's wisdom. So let me give you an example to share what I mean. Let's say you're dating someone and they check off all the boxes. They seem really great, have a great job, are attractive, the right age. They either have kids or don't have kids, depending on what you want. And they seem nice. They seem available. They follow through. They don't text too much. They are willing to get off the apps. They do what they say they're going to do, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you're really excited, but you just don't feel it. And so instead of just you know being like, you know what? You seem really great. I just don't feel it. You try to make it work because, oh my God, this person's so great. What if this is the last person that I meet that's this great? Maybe this is the best I can do. Maybe I should try to figure it out. Maybe I should just try to work on it. Maybe it's me. And you create all these stories and all these fear-based beliefs in your head about why you have to make this work. And so you spend however long, weeks, months, if not friggin' years, trying to put a round hole into a square peg right? So you can see how when you make only decisions based on logic and reason, you're much more likely to be veered off course a little bit. So the best thing that you can do when you date and the path that I want you to take are doing things and making decisions that feel right to you and you feel in your body. And the other reason why that's super important is because I mean, there are some black and white red flags and black and white things that are okay and not okay in in terms of behavior and actions from another person. Of course, right? Like I do think there are some pretty immediate universal deal breakers. However, a lot of that stuff is actually pretty nuanced. You know, I don't think there's any such thing as like top 10 red flags. I mean, unless they're just like kind of obvious, like, well, yeah, nobody wants to be with a fucking pedophile. Do you know what I mean? But I think we can also raise our standards a little bit above that, right? And so what might be okay for me isn't okay for you and vice versa. And the only way you're going to know that for sure of what works for you or what doesn't work for you, what you want, what you don't want, how you feel, how you want to feel, how you don't feel and how you can get that way or how you can, what you can do to feel what you need to feel or whatever it is, all of that comes from your body, and this is why I always tell my clients that I cannot tell you what to do. I can ask guiding questions. I can help you see some consequences of different actions you can take. But the most important thing I can do is help you figure out how to know what's true for you, because that kind of goes back to like that whole giving you the fish versus teaching you how to fish saying that we probably all know. And frankly, it's just an integrity. It is not an integrity for me to tell you what to do based on what I think, right? Because I have my own experiences, my own projections, my own limiting beliefs. You know what I mean? I'm still a human. I'm working on that shit, but I'm not perfect because nobody is, right? Also, I'm not a little birdie on your shoulder where I see every single little thing that happens or doesn't happen in your life. So I can't possibly know what's best for you, but I can help you get to that place inside you so that you can make confident decisions, decisions that are sovereign, meaning like they come from you and not come from what society thinks you should do, or your mom thinks you should do, or your sister thinks you should do, et cetera, et cetera. And that in its essence is embodied dating. And that's what we're going to work on together for six weeks. And so, in embodied dating, we are going to start with the basic framework, which is feel, understand, deal, which we talked about. If you did the one week workshop with me, we're going to review that and also go much deeper in that and the full six week experience. Um, And then we're also going to spend a lot more time in the understand part because that actually is where inner child work comes in. So, inner child work is actually a part of embodied dating because once you understand why you're doing what you're doing or why you're not doing something, et cetera, et cetera, then You know, inner child work just comes into that, right? Because that's where you you learned it from somewhere, right? You learned it from childhood. Yes, other experiences for sure, but ultimately it all roots down from childhood. And so that's where the inner child work does come in. So we will be spending some time on inner child work within the whole framework of embodied dating. But it really is a process of you being able to get really comfortable in your body and feeling into the signs and signals that your body is constantly giving you every day and then to trust and act upon that. And honestly, you can apply this not just to your love life, but to everywhere, right? The more you make fear-based decisions, I truly believe the more you are going to be steered off course, right? Um, Just because you know, I just don't think fear-based decisions are going to get you to where you go. I'm not saying you should ever make a fear-based decision. Like no one's gonna be perfect. And I don't want you to have that expectation on yourself, but I really want you to get into a habit of what would my life be like if I made intuitive-based decisions? The coach that I'm working with right now, she calls them faith-based decisions. So her goal is to make hundred percent faith-based decisions. I wish I was hundred percent. I'm not quite there yet. I don't think you need to be there in order to be pretty close to the path that you're quote unquote supposed to, to be on. Anyways, so the full six-week experience, we're going to dive deep into this framework to how you can actually apply it. You know me, I'm your Capricorn sister, so I like to um, (laughs) have everything very clear with steps. And, and ways to measure so that you know that you're actually doing it and applying it and you can see the results in your life. There's going to be lots of time for coaching and Q&A with me. We're going to have a private Facebook group so you get to know each other and also just have more support with me so you can ask questions, etc. I'm going to have some meditations for you, meditations to get pumped up for a date, meditation that will help you get in the right mindset for online dating, meditations before you have to have a big conversation, meditations to know if you should stay or go, all those kind of things. So you're going to have some resources like that, that you can actually use well beyond the six weeks that we're going to spend together. And also we're going to do some movement based practices. Now this movement is not a workout, it's a work in, meaning the movement is going to help you to trust yourself and to get rid of some old beliefs and thoughts, et cetera, that aren't working for you. And um, this is the introductory round. And so with that, it's going to come introductory pricing. It's 50% off from what the full price will be when I offer this program in the fall. You'll also have access to that round when I teach it in the fall um, with no additional costs and you get to join for 50% off of what that will be. So it's like, I don't know, three or four for the price of one. I don't know how exactly (laughs) that works. Anyways, you're going to love it. We start July 18th. If this is interesting to you, then make sure you head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash embodied dating. That's all smushed into one word. If you did the one-week workshop with me and you want to come into the full six-week experience, make sure that you have a special email from me about um, just upgrading your experience from the one-week workshop to the six-week experience. So just make sure that you've seen that email about upgrading your experience because you get to apply that um, workshop fee into the full six-week experience. So just FYI, in case you were in that workshop and have not joined us for the full six-week experience, I would love to have you. I'm so excited about it. And with that, we're going to actually get into today's episode. And um, I want to give you just a little spoiler alert, right? And body dating is exactly what my caller Rose ultimately needs. So Rose has been living a little bit more isolated over the past few years. Surprise, surprise, you know, pandemic anyone. Um, But also she took a sabbatical to live in Mexico from her home base in New York. And so life has just been a little different, you know, and so she's going to be reintegrating back into New York back into her like faster pace of life with more people around and community and friends and also more opportunities for dating. And so she's a little nervous about how to prepare for that. And I really love this question because I actually think embodied dating is the right answer here. Because... I get a lot of these kind of hypothetical questions from clients like, well, okay, I want to date in like six weeks, but what do I need to do to prepare now? I'm like, what you need to do to prepare now is just to get really comfortable in your body, know how you want to feel and freaking feel it and work on the inner child work, all that kind of stuff, right? Because the more comfortable you are in the body and how you want to feel and what feels good, then the greater the difference will be when you are dating someone or in relationship with someone and they just suck the energy out of you or they just make you feel like shit or whatever. So the bigger that contrast can be, then the easier it is to know like, hey, this actually isn't going to work for me. So what's the issue here? It's, it's, do I need to just simply have a conversation? Do we need to have an agreement? Do we need to have a boundary? Do I actually need to let this person go? Right? There's no prep work to do that other than just to get really really comfortable in your body. So that's a little bit of a spoiler here because that's exactly where we're going and really the I think you know, the ultimate, I don't like this word, but ultimately, it's, I think, the the solution to the issue here. And even if you can't relate to Rose's exact issue, I do find that a lot of times we plan out for potential scenarios, potential things that could happen in our head a lot. And a lot of this is just fear based. And one boundary that I have with clients is that I do not coach on a hypothetical, because frankly, it's impossible. And so instead, what I would do with a client, if they're wanting me to coach them on a hypothetical situation is I would go more into like, okay, well, what's the fear that's creating this hypothetical, right? And that's really where I would I would work in. Anyways, so if you are struggling to reintegrate into society, whether it's because of, you know, after pandemic, even though I know not technically it's over, but like, what are we in right now? I don't even know. But you know what I mean? Or like if you haven't dated in a while, but you want to start dating, but you're like a little nervous about it and you're like, oh, I need to prepare for dating, or how do I prepare? Then you're really gonna love this episode. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Hi, Rose. Welcome to
0: the show. How can I help today? Hi, thanks, Veronica. It's good to be here. Well, it's been about six years or a little bit more than six years since my last long-term relationship. And to be quite honest, ever since, I mean, I've dated and I've had short-term things relationships. But for the most part, I've been quite lonely, quite alone, and a lot of solitude. And I'm afraid that I'm getting used to that solitude. And part of me wonders if I'll ever get used to relationship again, just because I'm so used to spending time alone now and doing things alone. I wake up on the weekends feeling alone. And the other day I said to myself, shouldn't you be waking up feeling someone in your life? but I'm not feeling them. So I'm wondering what type of exercises I can do or what I can do in my life to open up space for possibility of a relationship.
1: I love this question. I think a lot of people are experiencing this, especially, you know, I know we're not like technically post pandemic, but we are in a state where like, life is quote unquote normal again. And people are like, wow, it's weird being with a bunch of people or having things in my calendar again. And do I like it? Do I not like, and how do I be? How do I act? Um, A lot of us are re learning that because when you hear for two years that it's unsafe to be with people, then that really can seep in. And so let me, let me ask you this. So you, your last relationship was six years ago or ended six years ago, you've dated a little bit. Tell me, well, okay. There's, there's a couple things that I want to know about you. So the first thing is, do you sway more introverted or more extroverted?
0: I would say actually ever since the pandemic, I noticed I became more introverted, Mm -hmm. but before that I was an extrovert. I used to always hang out with a lot of people. I was always very social. I'm a bubbly social type of friend. But ever since the pandemic, I've become more and more introverted. I spend more time by myself and I enjoy spending more time by myself now.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then before the pandemic or before like this period of isolation happened, when you were with people, it seems like you were able to be social and socialize well. Did it leave you feeling drained or did it leave you feeling like refreshed, replenished? I need more. What was it?
0: energized. Whenever I was hanging out with people, I felt energized. I felt recharged and, and great things. Okay. Okay. So what's the
1: downside now for you uh, being alone? I don't mean like being single, but like isolating yourself. Um, What's the downside? What's the upside? What do you like about it? And where does it beginning to bump up against things?
0: Well, what I really like about it is that I really do enjoy my own company. I think I'm my own best friend. I really enjoy just hearing my own comments, my own visions of the world. And just embracing that, for instance, yesterday, I went to the beach and I went with a friend who I didn't really enjoy her conversation that much, to be quite honest. She's a bit older and her conversation was very like about politics and like stuff that I found boring. And I was thinking to myself, oh, maybe I should have just come by myself to the beach and I could have been just enjoying the beach view and enjoying a little bit more. And so sometimes I feel like I enjoy my company more than without being with others.
1: Okay. Okay. And then what are the downsides? Like, is it what I'm trying to get at is like, is it actually a problem to be a little bit more isolated right now?
0: Yes. The downside is that I do start feeling lonely when I'm spending too much time alone, when I don't have plans to socialize, I start feeling really lonely. Like I'm all alone. Like I start questioning why I made all those decisions when I was younger, not to have kids, not to have a family, not to marry those I could have. And I start kind of like regretting that a little bit because I start missing company. I start dreaming that I was a company. So I do feel lonely. Okay. And there has been times where I've I've even felt depressed.
1: Okay. Okay. And so when you get into that space, what do you do?
0: So when I get to that space, I write things down in a journal entry. I'm very good about writing to myself. I write myself journal entries. I talk to a therapist about it. She gives me some advice. To start planning, to start making friends, I try to reach out to people, even though they might not consider me a good friend. I, I I reach out to like I go through a list on WhatsApp, and I'm like, let me message this person, let me message that person, and I bombard people with messages just saying hello that I want to hang out, I'm trying to make plans. Okay, okay.
1: So you mentioned that yesterday I went to the beach with a friend, and you didn't really mesh with her. You didn't really enjoy her company. Would you say that's a pattern for you? No,
0: that's not a pattern for me. Okay.
1: Okay. So then what is preventing you from being with people who really fill you up and nourish you?
0: Nothing is preventing that. I actually do have a few people that fill me up and nourish me. It's just that there's not that many. I mean, I came to for a sabbatical here in Mexico and I didn't really know that many people here. And I still don't know that many people. But everybody's busy with work. People my age work a lot and they have relationships. Everybody here is partnered up. There's no one that's alone here and single and that wants to hang out. And those that are single and alone, I guess I do know this one person, but she has like a lot of issues, childhood trauma, and she gets drunk and she creates a lot of drama. And I don't really necessarily want to hang out with people who are troublesome. So I have to be careful with who I hang out with. But um, it's just, there's just not a lot of options here in Mexico where I am. It's a small town.
1: Okay. And how much longer are you there for?
0: Another year, another 11 months.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, listen, I'm going to be real with you. Like, You can embrace this period of more solitude than maybe you would prefer because you took this sabbatical to Mexico. And I'm not saying that was a bad or a wrong decision. Or you can be like, okay, I'm going to take ownership over what... I feel and what I want and not make excuses. Cause what I'm hearing now is excuses. Like, sure. Other people are in relationship. That doesn't mean that, that, you know, one of the parties in that relationship doesn't want friends, or I'm sure there's not just one single person in the city that you're in. I, I, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't even know what city and you don't even tell me, but I just don't think that's really true.
0: What I'm saying is that, that there's not that many numbers of people, options of people. Maybe like right now, I probably have about five friends. That's it. I don't have like in New York, I have 20. I have many more in New York because there's more availability and I've been there and I know people more. Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Why is having f- five friends bad?
0: It's not bad. It's just. Okay. So what's the problem with five friends? There's no problem with five friends. I'm not saying that I don't like my solitude. I actually do like my solitude. What I'm trying to say is that I'm afraid that because I'm getting used to my solitude, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to embrace a relationship, a, bo- a guy in my life, a partner, because I'm so used to being alone that all of a sudden to welcome a, a partner into my life might be like a shocker for me because I'm so used to being alone. And I want to know what exercises I can do in order to attract a partner into my life.
1: Are you actively looking for a partner right now? Or are you meaning like when you go back to New York, you want to be able to attract a partner there?
0: When I go back to New York.
1: Okay. So you're talking about something 11 months from now?
0: Yes. Okay. So
1: I will tell you, it is very, very challenging, if not impossible, to coach on the hypothetical. Okay. Because there's something about there, there's something that you're anticipating that may or may not happen that you may or may not feel. And that's just an impossible game. Because there are so many potential scenarios that you could stumble upon when you get back to New York and to be prepared for every possible scenario. It's going to make you crazy because it's impossible (laughs) because there's literally infinite number of potential scenarios. And so the best you can do is to be in present time, because when you do get back to New York and when you do start. Dating and, and looking for someone more seriously, then again, that same tool of being in present time is going to be the most important thing. Because if you're dating someone and you're like, well, I don't want this to happen again because this happened in my last relationship. So I really have to have my guard up so that I don't get hurt again. Is that really going to work? Probably not. Also, if you're dating someone and you're like fantasizing about the future or what your relationship could be or who you th- the fantasy of who you think this person is, or whatever, then that's also going to hold you back because you might miss red flags or crappy behavior or just misalignments. And so, being in present time is your best tool for making a relationship work. And so, for right now, you know, you've got some friends in Mexico where you are. I firmly don't believe more is better. I think better is better. (laughs) So if you are feeling lonely or isolated, then I think it can be super helpful to go deeper with these people that you're, that are already friends. You're only going to be there for 11 more months. And I know that in some ways a year seems like forever, but also it's going to go by really fast. And so you're probably not even that interested in making new friends because again, you have, you know, some friends right now, which I mean, I know I'm projecting a little bit, but in my mind, that's probably enough to get you through the year in terms of like having the connections that you need. Enjoy being in Mexico. Enjoy your sabbatical. Enjoy those connections you do have. If you meet people along the way, then like cool bonus points. And then that is what's going to leave you refreshed and ready to go when you get back to New York. Uh, Because otherwise, if you start trying to like anticipate all the bad things, that may happen when you get to New York, you're going to have just build up so much fear around all of the bad potential scenarios. And I'm not saying you're not going to be in a relationship or in a scenario where like, well, this is not ideal, right? Because shit happened when you're dating and that's just something we have to, to deal with. But again, that goes back to what I'm saying. The best tool to deal with that is in the present time. What are your needs? Are your needs being met? How can you get those needs met either by you? or the other person that you're in relationship with?
0: Well, I am on Tinder here and I am meeting some men. I am talking to some men and I've dated a few here also in Mexico and I'm open to a relationship here. It's just that, again, the numbers are much lower than in New York where I have like right now in New York, I have a list of like five people waiting for me when I get back there to start dating in a year, they're already waiting for me. Whereas here, I have like one, one, once a month show up or like very slow paced kind of numbers game here in Mexico. Okay. But again, why is that a problem? That's not a problem. What I'm saying is that there is a possibility that I can start dating here. And I did ask a friend, I asked her, what should I be doing to, to start being open for a relationship? And she goes, if you want to be ready for a relationship, you have to start getting uncomfortable because being in a relationship will create uncomforts and discomforts and you getting out of your comfort zone. So I started saying, okay, so let me start doing things that get me out of my comfort zone so that when I have a relationship, it's not that much of a shock into my system. And that's kind of the same thing with solitude. What kind of activity should I be doing to start embracing the possibility of a relationship. Should I socialize more? Should I get out more? Should I start taking more classes and more engage more with society because that will get me more closer to a relationship? or is being in complete solitude fine and that will define your relationship as well? No. Having all the space and time. Why are, for
1: why are you afraid that a, that being in a relationship after taking some time for yourself is going to be a shock to the system? What's behind Just that me, fear? But,
0: so used to just waking up up alone. Like on the weekends, I just wake up and I'm like all alone, just myself. I'm just all alone. Like there's this immense feeling of solitude that I have that if I'm with a partner, it'll be like, what? There's a person next to me. I have to deal with this. It'll be like a shocker because I'm not used to it.
1: What do you mean? Okay. Tell me what you mean by you have to deal with this. There's a person next to me. I have to deal with this.
0: I have to deal with it in the sense that it's very different than what I'm used to now, which is just waking up by myself, having breakfast by myself, having the whole morning by myself, doing what I want. When you have a partner in your bed, you have to say, hey, do you want to have breakfast? What do you want to do? You have to, there's like a whole procedure that you have to go through in the mornings. That's not your morning anymore. It's about us, it's about two people.
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other
1: leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: And I'm not sure I'll be able to deal with it just because I'm so used to being in solitude. Okay, but why don't you think you can deal with that? Well... It's just so different than being alone. Being with somebody is very different than being alone. I
1: mean, yes, I, I, I get that. But I, there's fear underneath this. And I'm trying to get to where the fear is coming from.
0: Maybe the fear, because I, I think maybe fear has developed just because it's been so long. When I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, I automatically assumed I would get a boyfriend in a month. I thought, okay, next month I'll have a new boyfriend. And I did have someone in a month. And it's just that that didn't last.
1: Yeah. And, and why did you, on, why did you on. break up with your last boyfriend? What, what was the dynamic like in that Really, You don't tell me well, everything. But what was
0: the I had a summer boyfriend, uh, this summer. You mean the short term, the three month, or do you want to know about the six, this one, six years ago?
1: Probably the one, six years ago. That's probably more related I, to your patterns.
0: I broke up with him because he wasn't into self-care. He didn't take care of himself. He was addicted to sugar. He didn't exercise. He was constantly going to the hospital and I didn't want to become his nurse.
1: Mm-hmm. And how did he treat you in that relationship?
0: Very well. He, he always spoiled me. He took me on dates. He took me on trips. We always had date nights. He treated me very well.
1: Okay. Okay. Did you feel because you had to take care of him because he wasn't taking care of himself? Did you feel like you had to kind of abandon yourself or neglect yourself a little bit in order to take care of them. That's why you broke up with them.
0: Yes. I felt like I wasn't respecting myself. I felt like how was it possible that I was running marathons? I was always at the uh, taking care of my own top of all my doctor's appointments. I was taking care of myself completely. How was it possible that I had to take care of someone else who wouldn't even walk for 10 minutes or who was just addicted to sugar, who wouldn't like exercise. Yeah, okay. Okay. Okay.
1: I understand. Okay. So listen, I think that when you've had a pattern or had a relationship where you were neglecting yourself or not taking care of yourself or abandoning yourself, like any way you want to put that, then that will naturally create a fear of like, I don't want to do that again. And so you've spent the last six years really creating this relationship with yourself right like you enjoy your company you're you're your own best friend you like spending time with yourself you like doing things on your own and i think that's a really beautiful place to be and you know what that feels like you know what that sense of you know really like when i do inner child work with with clients it's it's really about understanding how you learned to get love safety and belonging and you've it sounds like have gotten to a place where you're able to feel love safety and belonging with yourself from within which is great. And so my recommendation is to get just really comfortable with that and recognize how it feels in your body to take care of yourself, to feel love, safety, and belonging from within all of those things. And then that's going to be your best barometer for when you get to, I don't know if barometer is the right word, but when you get to New York, because then when you start meeting people or whether you're dating people here, it doesn't matter. When you date someone, if you begin to feel like, you know what it feels like when you've neglected yourself, you know what it feels like when you're not taking care of yourself the way you want. And so when there becomes a gap between how you know you can make yourself feel when you're really taking care of yourself and how you know you feel when you're taking care of someone else too much, you're crossing your boundaries, neglecting yourself, abandoning yourself, you know what that feels like. When there's a gap, or the the more you're familiar with what it feels like to take care of yourself with that. So that when there is a gap, that's more obvious to you. And then you can do something about it. And again, what you need to do can vary greatly, depending on the situation, you know, it might just mean you need to get on the same page with somebody. It might just mean you need to have a conversation, set some agreements, create boundaries, or it might mean that the relationship's not the right fit and you have to move on for whatever reason. And all of those potential outcomes are, are fine, but you can't anticipate what might happen or what might not happen from where you are right now. Because again, like that is going to make you go crazy. It's forcing you. It's asking you to live in your head because you're asking yourself all these potential scenarios and how can I prepare? I don't think that you prepare the same way you might prepare when you're like training for a marathon, right? Like if you're training for a marathon, you know, you said you did a marathon, like, you know what that entails, right? Like you have a training regimen. And you do your runs and you do your rest days and you do your strength days and you do all these things and it prepares you for the marathon. And I do think that there is a level of preparation when it comes to inviting in a healthy relationship. And it really is a lot of inner work. It's a lot of inner child work. It's a lot of learning to trust yourself and knowing what the different signals are in your body, all of these things. And then when you get to the quote unquote marathon, when you get to the race day, it's not like the marathon where you pretty much know it's going to be 26 point, whatever miles, you don't know, need 26.2 miles, a relationship, you know, really every relationship is, is different. And so this is where we have to get out of our head and as successful women, whether it's in athletics or career or whatever, this is, this can be hard. You have to get out of your head and just trust that whatever comes your way, you can get through it because you have this really strong, solid relationship with yourself. and so. If it's in your radar, like in your past relationship, where like, you know, your partner wasn't taking care of himself, so you kind of stepped into that role, of taking care of him, that's going to create some sort of belief that like a relationship is a burden. Now, I'm not saying that's what you consciously believe, but I do think there's a part of you that believes that because you're like, oh, well, my life is great now and I can do what I want and blah, blah, blah. blah. And you're referencing, or I should say, your point of reference is this last relationship where you had to be the caretaker. I'm not saying there's not times in a relationship, like there's times in a relationship where my husband, you know, went through a surgery or had an injury. And of course I had to take care of him, but it wasn't certainly the overarching pattern, right? Like things happen. Like I get that, but you're referencing a relationship where you were the nurturer and it's not a fair reference point because in a healthy relationship where you're both taking hundred percent responsibility or 50% and meeting each other halfway, I think waking up next to your partner will feel very similar waking up alone. Cause you're like, Oh, you're here. Yay. What are we going to do? You know what I mean? Versus like, Oh, gotta make his breakfast. Gotta like try to convince him to go on a walk today or whatever. Uh, so I think your point of reference is just based on something that was true in the past, but isn't reflective of universal truth or what could be true.
0: Does that make sense? Yes, it makes a lot of sense, and you touched the key words when you said how to invite a relationship. I think that's what my concern is. It's like I become so isolated and so much solitude. Although I do enjoy the solitude, but being that I become quite the loner, I was just wondering if instead of inviting a relationship, I'm repelling it.
1: Well, okay, I think we're getting a little all over the place here because I think you know I. Okay, so. Why do you think you're repelling a relationship?
0: Just because I'm all into myself. Like I don't even hang out that much with friends anymore. I just, I'm on myself all the time. I like to spend time by myself. I'm not really inviting the energy of like people and like action. And like, even the other night I stayed in, I didn't even go to this party that I was invited to. I stayed in watching movies. Like I become very lonely.
1: Okay. Okay. So So you want to be more social?
0: Not that I want to be more social. I want to be more inviting to a relationship. There's a difference.
1: Okay. But being social is part of potentially meeting somebody. Online dating is one way. It is not the way to meet someone. And if you are feeling more lonely, I would definitely recommend being social over being online. Mm -hmm. So can you make a goal to just do one social thing a week? Or if that feels too little, like two a week.
0: I could do two a week for sure. Okay.
1: It's really that simple. It doesn't have to be. I think sometimes we put, you know, these, we, we, we just be like, oh, I just need to be more social or I'm so lonely. I need to be more, not so isolated. And those feel like really big, big, like scary monsters or, you know, that just feels like overwhelming, but it's like, okay, well, what would that actually look like? How can I actually put that on the calendar? Okay. Do one social event a week or two social events a week, whatever feels Doable, yeah, that feels like a good cadence. I wouldn't recommend going on like a social bender because then you'll be exhausted and you'll never socialize again for at least like a month or two, and you know that's, that's probably not as as helpful or or useful. So just focus on, you know, again, if, if the twice a week thing sounds good, and and it can just be like a one on one connection with a friend, or it can be going to more of like a party or an event. And you never know what you or who you might meet, I should say. And I wouldn't be attached to meeting a potential romantic interest at every social event you go to, because then I think you're going to find yourself really disappointed. I would be more inclined to make goals around just making connections, just connections, not necessarily romantic, just connections, because you never know. When you might meet someone and they meet you to introduce you to someone else and then to someone else. And then, some, and then you just never know, right? Like I talk about in my, in my book that it took seven connections, seven introductions over a period of several years to meet my now husband. I'm not saying it's going to take seven years from you now, because you might be in the middle of that <laughs> right now. You never know. We don't know where we are in that, you know, level of you know, the degree of connection to your potential person or to your person. Um, But my point is, is that, you know, don't go out with a high energy, a high attachment of needing to meet your partner or any partner or any romantic interest, just go with the intention of connecting and that's it. And it really can be that simple. And I think in terms of like being afraid of what it might be like to have someone else in your life, I'm not saying there's not going to be a little discomfort, a little bit of growing pains. You know, it is, I mean, it is like, right. It is different to wake up next to somebody versus to wake up by yourself. I'm not saying that it's totally the same, but what I am saying though, it doesn't have to be like this, uh, fear of like an energy suck or an energy drain, which if you've been in previous relationships where being in a partnership very much was an energy drain or an energy suck, you know, it can be easy to make that miscalculation, so to speak. Does this help?
0: Yes, very much. Yeah, All this right, is
1: dear. Me. You've got this. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you so much for your help. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Rose, for coming on to the show. I really appreciate your courage and your vulnerability and your willingness to ask this question. I think there's a lot of shame around feeling isolated or feeling disconnected because, you know, there's just a lot of pressure to be social and have like 10 million Instagram friends and whatever. So I really appreciate you asking this question, because I think a lot of people can probably relate. So I just have a few or maybe not a few, but I just have some bullet points that I wanted to reemphasize and highlight from our conversation. You know, our conversation jumped around a little bit, which is totally fine. Um, You know, Rose needed to get what she needed to to get. So I just want to kind of tie it all up a little bit so that you can get some good Action steps and things to think about as you are reintegrating into society and/or thinking about dating again after um, potentially a a long break. So the first thing is that you know ebb and flow. It's totally fine to have periods of life where you are more isolated at times than others. I think sometimes we just think we have to be on and we have to be the same, and our life has to look the same every day, day in and day out, and. One thing that's really interesting to me, I learned about this when I was learning more about like feminine and masculine energy. And if you think about the sun, the sun comes out every day and it follows a 24-hour cycle. It rises, it rises to high noon and then it sets and then it does the same thing. And it's I mean, yes, there's cloudy days and that kind of stuff, but ultimately we can expect the same thing to happen every single day. Um, And this is kind of the way the world is set up. It's like 24 hours go, and it's just like the same thing happens every single day. And so the moon, on the other hand, the moon is a new moon, and then over the course of not a day, but of a course of a month, it waxes to the full moon, and then takes another two weeks to wane back to the new moon, and then it does that again. So the energy of the moon... Is not the same every day of the month. And then you can think about this with the seasons, right? Not every day. Well, okay, fine. So I guess people live in different parts of the world where maybe it does feel like summer all the time or winter all the time. But the way that nature is set up is that there still is like this ebb and this growth and then like receding back to something else. And then there's this growth, 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 and then you're receding back, right? And so you're going to go through times in your life that feel similar. It might be on a monthly basis, tied to your literal moon cycle or your personal moon cycle if you're bleeding, but it also can just be tied to different stages and phases of life. You might be in a busy stage with your work. You might be in a stage where you're coming off of an illness. You might be in coming off on a stage where you're just, you just don't feel like doing something and there's no good reason or not any rational reason. So I think that one thing to do around your social life or dating and your relationship to it is sometimes you're going to be in a season of life where it's going to feel more busy and more alive, and you're going to have more energy for it. And there's going to be other times in your life where you just want to pull back. And none of it is good or bad, right or wrong. It just is what it is. And the more I think we can embrace seasons of our life, then I think the easier it is. I find that a lot of things that are stressful is because we have an expectation that for some reason we can make it okay. I'll just give you an example. So we are about to, at the time of the recording this, we're about to take our son on a five hour flight. And I was talking to my mom and she was just like, oh God, it's so horrible, you know? And look, I'm not saying like taking your kid on a flight or baby on a flight is the most fun thing to do in the world. I'm pretty sure most people wouldn't willingly <laughs> volunteer to, to do that. Although I guess I kind of am since we're going on a trip. But my point is, is that if I have this hope, or even expectation that it's going to go well, then I'm really allowing myself to be disappointed. And then because of that, I will probably feel more stressed, more frustrated. And then the whole thing's just going to probably fall apart even more. If I kind of go into it like knowing this is probably going to suck, <laughs> my expectations are a little lower. And I'm probably not going to be as stressed or high strung about it or frustrated when things actually do kind of suck, right? And I know this does not relate to probably what most of you all are maybe experiencing. But I think that if we have this expectation that we're just going to have all this energy to do all this thing all the time or live like in some way that we think is normal or what we want 100% of the time, you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure because you're going to get frustrated and stressed with yourself because you're not living up to it. So allow there to be that ebb and flow and see if that makes things just a little bit easier for you. All right. So the second thing that I just want to point out is the pandemic wiped a lot of slates clean. I was actually talking to a really good friend about this when we went to visit in DC a few months ago. And she was saying that, you know, before the pandemic, you know, she was super, super social and like always going out, always meeting people. And just she had, you know, it's certainly her core group of friends, but she just knew a lot of people. And some of these people that she just knew were acquaintances with, like, weren't always her people, didn't always make her feel super great or the best people for her in her life. And one thing that she noticed that the pandemic did was, you know, some of her closer friends, you know, they made a concerted effort to see each other. um, So they could go on walks outside or test or, you know, only see vaccinate people, whatever their boundaries were. So what she noticed was that the people that were most important to her, she still had pretty good connections with, but the people that were less important or less beneficial, like to her emotional state in her life or whatever, those people kind of fell away. And they just kind of went off into their own life and did their o- own thing. And I think that's actually pretty true for me. I don't know if it's true for you. But I do think that on some level, the pandemic has wiped a lot of slates clean. And so I would just encourage you to be very discerning about what comes back into your life. And not necessarily in the form of people and friendships, but also just like other things that we did all the time that just made us so busy? Do you really need to do that? Does that really need to get done, at least in the way that you think it needs to get done or or whatever? For example, for me, I will do the majority of the appointments that I need to do online, because I just don't want to spend my time, you know, even even like my therapist, I'm like, I'm not going to come to the office ever. <laughs> I just want to do it online, because I can do it virtually, it takes up a lot less time, and that frees up some other time for me to do other stuff. That's also important to me. So that's just something that I've been really discerning about. I'm not saying that has to be the same for you. But, you know, before you start just like bringing everything back into your life that you had pre pandemic, I encourage you to be discerning about what is helpful, what is you know, what is useful, what is um, what feels good to you, and then what doesn't. All right, the next thing and I said this a little bit in the intro, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. But it's very hard to prepare for the potential. Because when you're living in the hypothetical or the potential, you're automatically in your head. And so ultimately, it is out of fear. Now, that being said, you can still work with some of the fears that are coming up. One thing that I have clients do, I won't go too much into it right now, but I'll have them write out all the fears they have around a hypothetical or potential. And like, what are the fears that actually have like a potential solution, right? Like, Or not a potential, a very tangible solution. And then what are some of the fears that are tied more towards limiting beliefs inner child wounds, et cetera, et cetera. So for example, I don't know, like, let's say you're afraid that, I don't know, let's say you're afraid someone's going to steal your money. I and mean, this is like so weird, but like f- with dating, like, well, then just don't give your bank account a number. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a very tangible solution to that. So you can't get swindled. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that has a really tangible solution. Um, One thing that I I, I work with some new coaches, I mentor them as they're starting up their business. And one thing is people are really afraid of being sued. And I'm like, okay, so have a contract and have insurance. <laughs> because what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Unless, not, unless you're not going to have the business. So that has a really tangible solution. So you can look at the fears. I'm not saying like ignore it and just pretend like it doesn't exist. But like, that is as far as I'll go when I'm coaching a client around, you know, looking at potentials or hypotheticals, because really, there's just not a lot you can do. And then the next thing is so, Rose's point of reference was a relationship where she had to take care of her partner. And so she's making an unfair comparison because when you have to take care of your partner, when the burden is more on you, and I don't mean like a season of life where someone is injured or ill or whatever, but I mean that's really the general dynamic of the relationship, then that's going to feel really draining and it's not going to feel so great. And so, if you're comparing future relationships to that, then yeah, you're probably going to have a little bit of a negative taste. And you're like, oh, God, like to have to deal with that again. So as much as possible, I want just like the pandemic cleaned our slates, I want you to clean your slate of past relationships as well. And so if you feel like you're still bringing in some past fears or beliefs around relationships, I don't have any episodes off my head, we'll try to find some and put them in the show notes, then you just have more clearing to do around exes, right? And that's just that's just the bottom line, which is totally fine. It's not. It's not a bad thing. It's just as what it is. So I encourage you to look at some of those episodes. You can also. I have a free email course called "How to Get Over Your Ex." Email course. I can't remember exactly the name of it. We'll put the link in the show notes. I don't remember the exact link. It is rockygrants. forward slash. I don't remember it. We'll put it in the show notes though, and that way, if you are, you know, projecting some old stuff into your either current or potential future relationships. And there's just more ex clearing to do not a big deal. Totally fine. But that email course will definitely help you out. And this is where embodiment comes in to, to wrap this puppy up. You know, you Rose knew what it felt like to feel drained, right? And to feel like the burden was more on her and the relationship, right? And so the more that you are embodied and the more you know how you want to feel, both in your life and also in your ideal relationship, then the larger that discrepancy is going to be when you're in a relationship that kind of doesn't make you feel like that, that makes you feel like crap or makes you feel drained or makes you feel whatever it is, right? And that doesn't mean it's an obvious, you know, ending to the relationship, it might just be a conversation or having some boundaries or whatever. But you know, you just have to again, that's just going to depend on the situation. And again, you'll get that information based on how you feel after you have said conversation or set said boundaries, are you able to feel different? Or is that person able to create that space for you to feel different? Um, But this is where embodiment comes in. You cannot, you know, I find one thing that's really challenging for women in this community is that, you know, you guys are, you all are go-getters, you're goal-oriented, um, you're really good at what you do just in life, but especially your career and just setting any kind of goals. And there certainly is a time and place for that in romantic relationships. You do need some of that masculine energy to move a relationship forward for sure, but it cannot Call the shots. It cannot be leading the way. I would even argue that there's benefit to not have it lead the way in your career, although it's certainly more acceptable and has more benefit when that's playing a big part in your career, just because it is that is a more masculine dominated area. And I mean that literally in terms of men and also in terms of masculine energy. But in relationships and in your love life, you just can't apply the same type of thing, right? You have to let that that logic part of you, that rational part of you back off a little bit. Um, And if you want to hear me talk a little bit more about why, then make sure you listen to all the episodes in June where I dived deep into or dove dove deep (laughs) into embodied dating. And if you want to take this six-week journey with me inside embodied dating, I would love to have you. Like I said, introductory pricing is 50% off the full price, and you will also be able to join the next round in the fall. So you get 50% off when we run it this month in July and August. And then when I run it again in the fall, you get a free ticket to that round as well. You don't have to pay anymore and you still have that 50% off. So if you would like to join me in embodied dating, I would love to have you veronicagrant.com forward slash dating. That's all smushed into one word. We'll put that link in the show notes. Again, I am so excited about spending six weeks together. Um, it's going to be incredible. There is going to be curriculum. There's going to be a very specific framework for you to learn and start practicing and applying to your life. Lots of room and time for questions and Q&A and coaching so that you can, you know, things will come up, You'll <laughs> things won't go the way you thought they were going to go for sure, because we're all humans here. And so that's what the Facebook group, that's what the coaching calls are for. So you can get support around that. You're going to have lots of meditations, meditations before a date, meditations for online dating, meditations before, and I mean like meditations to do, to get in the right space before you get onto the apps, etc. cetera. Um, and we'll have some movement practice to help you, you know, with that embodiment work. All right, my dear, that's all I got for you. I'm super excited. Remember next week is about how to love yourself after weight gain. I would also say how to love yourself when you don't feel good or comfortable in your body you know, that also will apply to next week's episode. Really excited about that. Can't wait for you to listen. And until then, thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.